Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. Also got a fun interview for you. Jorge Masvidal will join us on the program. And getting back to the news nuggets, we got some stuff involving the welterweight division. I think we want to spend a lot of time on the welterweight division. Crazy division. My former number one division, I think, back in the day. I'm in love with the Bantamweights right now. But, uh, yeah, welterweights, it's it's cracking, man. It, it really is. So many possibilities, so many angles to cover, and a lot of figures that like to talk, talk things out, you know. Some may be going a bit much. We'll discuss all that when we come back to get the show started. that guy is it is his name tech six nine or six yeah. nine what is it something like that i mean i think it's like Takashi 69 right but they just short it to tech or something yeah you see him get his ass whooped in la at an la fitness yeah and uh, he was in a sauna when they pulled him out yeah he got dumped <laughs> he did and then there was some camera guy going yo man i'm your fan and he goes yeah but you jumped me and he's like, no, I didn't. Um, I think everyone's going to live. So I think I can say, ha, I laughed my ass off. Um, I guess that guy was kind of a, known as a rat in the rap scene. A rat in the rap scene, right? Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is he talented musically? or is he yeah, even- I, I was asking that same question. I don't really know much about him. But... Uh- I mean, bro, you got to know in this. I mean, look at the history of, of this music genre mm. and some of the things that have gone down. Like, you have to know if you're going to take that route and rat on people, this is probably going to end up happening to you more than once. You know, like, he's lucky he didn't get shot or something. Yeah. Tupac. Biggie. Biggie Smalls. Yeah. The other guy uh, at the end of last year. I forget what his name is. Like, it happens quite a bit, man. So, I think he the usually has security with him. Vanilla Ice by the ankles outside of a hotel balcony, didn't he? Isn't that the. Uh, That's what they say. Story yeah. from back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, the welterweight division. Holy cow. It is fun to talk about confusing it is a bit frustrating 
and I want to be fair to all of them. I really feel like I'm always fair to all of them. The problem is they all want every benefit of your of your time and your words about them to go their way. And it just doesn't work that way. What I want fighters to remember is the same way we might be campaigning for a certain fighter now, it's the exact same thing we did when you were in that boat or when you will be in that boat. I like to, I think fight title shots are merited by you being a hot item, you being a number one contender, or you being on a streak that needs to get rewarded. You know, so you're you're eliminating the number 15 guy, maybe the number 10, maybe the number seven, and then the three or the two, and then boom, you're in the fight. You can't eliminate the one because usually the, the champ and the one are fighting. So somewhere along the way, I guess hopefully you get the number two or the number three, hopefully even just the top five guy. Does it always happen? No. Now, one thing that can trip that that way of doing things up is a a unicorn, right? Who's a unicorn? McGregor at lightweight. Hell, maybe even a maybe even at welterweight. Who knows? Masvidal sometimes seems to be a, a bit of a unicorn as well. And these guys sell pay per views mm-hmm. on a higher level than other fighters. Jones, Nate, Nate Diaz is a unicorn. Yes, and so a lot of times they get shuffled to the front of the line. You're at a nightclub. It's opening weekend. There's about 200 people outside. And the big bouncer just has this dumb list that probably doesn't say, even say anything. And he's just looking to see who's good looking or who he might know. And then he summons them to the door and says, yeah, yeah, come on. And he lifts the velvet rope and that's it, you know. So uh, the good looking people are the people that can sell pay-per-views. And in the analogy, um, that's kind of what it boils down to. Now, does that mean that that person can enter the through the velvet rope and, you know, do that every weekend? You know, so can you fight, lose, and then come back and do it three months later again? No. But you could probably win one, shake off that loss, and maybe get back in there, and then can you do it again? It gets a little tougher. It gets mm-hmm. a little tougher if you've had a couple losses. So that's kind of happened with Colby Covington and Jorge Mazadal. They fought for the title. They each got two cracks at Kamaru Usman, and they came up short. Colby um, had probably the more impressive of the two, and I think that would be – I think Masvidal would accept that. Masvidal got cleanly uh, knocked out on one of them, and then the other one was the one where he took on late notice, but he did go the five rounds just didn't go his way. Colby had a two nothing lead in one of the five round fights. And then in the other one, he was down two rounds, if I'm not mistaken, came back and won two. And then in round five, Kamaru just bested him. So where do we stand right now? Okay. Edwards just beat Kamaru Usman two out of three, two title fights and one non-title fight years ago. And so Edwards is saying, well, Kamaru's in my rear view mirror. No disrespect to him, but I just don't want to fight him, obviously, again. Kamaro wants to shake off this loss and get back in there. I don't think Kamaro was insistent on, oh, automatically give me a, a fourth shot or let's do a fourth fight and give me a, a, a third, a second crack at you being champ. No, that's not what he meant. Mm-hmm. But um, 
the confusing thing is the UFC had Colby Covington fly in and be the backup fighter. Usually the backup fighter is a good spot to be in. You usually do them a solid. You weigh in. You're willing to fight either guy just in case, your insurance. And then if not, you usually get a title shot. Is is that fair? Not always, right? Usually, but yeah, not always. It, I mean, if you have the spot, it's because they're saying that's where you deserve to be, right, in that picking order. It's a, it's yeah. a statement just putting the guy out there. Right. Or or you um Yeah, it kind of means that you were you were either the best available or see that's the confusing part to me. It sounds to me like Bilal Muhammad was not only available, he would have either fought Kobe or just been the backup. Mm-hmm. And then back to what I was saying before, usually it gets you a title shot. Well, Sergey Pavlovich weighed in for Jones versus um Gone, but yet all we're talking about after that fight is Jones versus Miocic. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go around and look, I'm going to sound like I'm chasing my tail here. Jones mentioned Miocic, and Miocic is probably the greatest heavyweight of all time, if not number two or something, but he's pretty damn good. He just hasn't fought in a while. But he mentioned Miocic, and so it sounds like the UFC's warm to it. Not Pavlovich, the guy that weighed in, but Miocic. So, Leon Edwards is saying, well, hey, I kind of want to fight a certain fighter. Why probably am I not getting that? And I'm sure somebody would go, well, bitch, you ain't Jones yet. And I think Leon Edwards would go, you're right. I'm not. You know, but where do I start to get the say? Is it after my third title defense, my eighth title defense? What has to happen here? Because he's also not misbehaved like Jones. He just hasn't done what Jones has done inside of the octagon. So where does Jones get a play? And... Leon could tell Dana, hey, you kind of like fights that have a backstory and have some drama or some heat or some bad blood, whatever you want to call it. I got three-pieced up plus a soda a few years ago. I want that guy who happens to sell pay-per-views. And when it's convenient for Dana goes, doesn't he go, we're running a business here. So that would be good business. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's so many things here. You know, I want to bat on behalf of all of them. I respect Colby for going out there and weighing in and willing to do battle with either guy. And he made weight. Remember, Vicente Luque got that. I think he was that guy one time, and he didn't even make the weight. So, anyway, go ahead. I think it's a a big deal for somebody to go that far and make the weight. But um, I think in the Pavlovich situation, because it's heavyweight and heavyweight's not that difficult to make you know usually those guys are okay with what they walk around with right. some guys have to cut a few pounds but it's never like uh oh my god that guy was you know they're cutting 30 pounds to make heavyweight they're kind of in that range so i think that one's just easier to just grab a head and plug them in and just pray that you don't need them but well, i think but, but, but hold on a second but you're <laughs> about to possibly put this guy in a position to be a world champion so you can't just grab any guy Right, but what I'm saying is you kind of that's the one where you kind of cross your fingers and pray you don't need them. I think the other divisions when you kind of make somebody since they all cut so much weight, you make them go through that, you make them travel. I mean, you'd be a fool if you're Colby Covington, you'd be a fool to not say, "Yeah, I'll do it." But guess what? I'm next. I mean, that's got to be in whatever contract they sign. You would have to say something like that. I think that's what he probably did. Okay. Now, why didn't the UFC call Bilal? Well, see, that's the thing, man. Like, I don't have we actually 
Bilal said that he hasn't heard anything, right? But, I mean, there's always two sides to the story. I don't know. But you're right. He should be the first guy they should call. He should be the first guy. And when the when when everybody makes weight, he should be sitting front row. And when that fight's done, they should bring him in and say, hey, this is the next guy in line. You know, something like I know Dana hates that shit, but um, I think that's just the way it should go. Yeah, he did it with uh, Volkanovski and Makashev, and we all loved it. I don't know why he hates it. It kind of worked. We all went, ooh, when they faced up. You know, Makashev said, where's that short guy? And then Volkanovski walks up there, and we all go, ooh, and it's over. And then we look forward to the fight. We have that to show, you know, as B-roll, and when you're running all your now, stuff. And and they had, a, they had themselves a great fight executed from beginning to end. We all know the obvious reason why that doesn't happen. Um you know, Leon Edwards is a champion. I don't I don't really know that he pops yet the way he could possibly pop, you know, with another win. I don't know that he's really there yet. And so then you add a guy like Bilal Muhammad who probably the same thing. Like you don't you don't really know how many pay per views a fight like that would sell. Probably not a lot, but when you attach a big name like Colby Covington, things turn around, right? But the thing is, like, you can't pick and choose when you want the UFC to be a sport or not. You know, and that's where it gets stupid because people are fighting their asses off to get to a certain point. They're doing all the things you ask of them, finishes, getting on the mic, but it's not paying off. And that, that that's the part that's, like, ridiculous. That's the part where I think you got to say, look, we got to take the L here. If it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell. But it was the right thing to do. And every once in a while, you can play that little game, you know, where you bring someone ahead of another one. But you, you just can't make it consistent like that. And every single time it happens, you could possibly create a new star. If Dominic Reyes had beaten John Jones, Dominic Reyes would be way bigger of a star than he is now. Mm -hmm. But that night, you would have created a star, you know? When they did Askren versus Masvidal, in fact, let's, let's use Masvidal as an example. Masvidal, in 2018, I think takes the whole year off, and then in 2019, he comes back, and he fights Darren Till in London. To me, if if you're if you're watching it as an observer, and somebody goes, what do you think the UFC is up to here? You'd have every right to go, oh, they're serving up Masvidal to Till. Till's a popular young English fighter, and, um, you know, they, uh, they I, I think they want to, you know, make him look good against Masvidal. And I, and I don't think anybody would debate that. And what does Masvidal do? Beats up Darren Till. He got knocked down once by Darren Till, but then he came back and knocked Darren Till the F out. Okay. So now you got a guy named Ben Askren who happened to do that that uh, schoolyard choke, the bully choke against Robbie Lawler oh. right around that same time. And he's been just – this guy's name's Marty, you know, and George Masvidal can't spell and all these things, right, he's saying – so they match up these two guys, and this guy runs across, boom, delivers the knee, broke the fastest record in UFC history. You know, he made a highlight out of Ben Askren, gave him his first loss, and now all of a sudden you realize, holy cow, this guy's a star. You know, he's 2-0. and He beat two highly ranked guys, but we're not ready to feature him in a title fight yet. Uh, why? I, I guess maybe because Leon is yet to fight Colby. I can't remember. And so now they go, in the meantime – New York needs something sexy. I know we'll create this belt, the BMF belt. 
Nate called him out. Let's do this. All right, two OGs. Let's reward them with this belt. We'll make it a big deal. He walks out with Roberto Duran. He gets the belt placed on him by The Rock. You know, ticks all kinds of boxes. It sells. It's great. And you got yourself a star. But months earlier, the UFC hadn't figured out that George Masvidal could be a star in the making. Right. You know what I'm saying? So how do we know that Bilal cannot be a star in the making? Leon Edwards, no one thought he was a star in the making when he walked into the ring into the octagon last August in Salt Lake City. Everybody kept saying, Camaro, man, he's even better than GSP. This could be number six, baby. What's up? Leon Edwards lands that head kick. Now Leon Edwards beats him again, and now they're going, we might go back to London three times. We got our dog here, Rocky, holding mm. up the U.K. for us. You see what I'm saying? It could happen. It yeah. could happen with Bilal Muhammad. He's from Chicago. When's the last time you ever heard anything big happening in Chicago in relation to the MMA? It's been a minute. Yeah, that's a big city, man. Like, everything goes through there. It's the biggest concerts and all that. So um, they got to get back there. I, like I said, man, I think it's the right thing to do. I think sometimes you do have to take a little bit of an L. And who's to say they don't surprise us? But um, you just can't make it a consistent thing. Yeah. If if and, and the other thing I thought was they would at least wait to see if Masvidal got back in the win column and he messed up Burns pretty bad in Miami and that thing's a hit, then I think that's where Dana goes, listen, we got a lot of talented welterweights. We got to huddle up back in the office and see what's best for the company, blah, blah, blah. Just go around and jerk everyone's cock in the media room, right? Just give them that bullshit just to get it over with. But you basically acknowledge you got possibilities, shit just happened, you know, and then you go back and decide what's better. You know, Masvidal sells the most, Kobe seems the one to piss off Leon Edwards the most, and Bilal has the 8-5 win streak. What do we do? You know, I don't know. But to commit to something so soon, it just really baffled me. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Should we talk to the man himself? Let's do it. We'll be right back with Jorge Masvidal. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today we get to talk to the baddest motherfucker. That's right, Jorge Masvidal. They call him Game Bread. I can fight. Now he's also the promoter. He wears many hats. What's up, Game Bread? How are you? I want all the hats in this fighting stuff. From coaching guys to amateurs to world championships to freaking holding pads to freaking being a sparring dummy to being a freaking fighter myself now promoting and and trying to get these guys a nice buck in their in their pocket you know while, while making myself some change and we're not having to step in the ring so i am very proud that i've uh i've been in the sport professionally competing 20 years now you know and and this is not some 300 and old fictitious record this is online people can see it i've been a pro since 18 i'm 38 now i might not act it but i am 38 and um I mean, the ball keeps rolling, man. I love it. I've been, you guys have been part of this journey with me from, from a while since, like, my strike force day. So I love it, man. It's all, like, full circle and shit, you know? Yeah. Now, apart from fighting, I know that's number one. That's your true passion. What's your next favorite thing to do? Is promoting number two, or or is there something else? Uh, promoting is definitely up there for me. I, I find it fun that I could just, you know, get with my partner and start having these thoughts like yeah, who, who would be a, a fight you know and usually have starts like who would you pay 
55.95 to see okay let's see you know we start like making the card and that that's definitely something fun and then promoting the card and then getting the card done and then it goes from my thoughts to actually like fruition and it becomes true and that that's one of my like favorite things to do but um that's all in like on, on the business also on the personal, i like to do it man i like to surf i like to ski you know i don't want to be in the office always or have a phone attached to me always so i i I'd much rather enjoy like nature if i have a if i have the opportunity to yeah who came up with jones and pettis you your partner someone else um uh, me and dean tool um mainly dean tool on that one you know because he's, he's the one that has the direct connection to roy jones jr and he's known him for quite some time he's worked with him on several things he used to manage his promotion roy jones jr uh, boxing and, and numerous things. So, so Dean is like um, very connected individual. And he had Roy Jones. He's the one that brought Roy Jones to the table. I was like, you, you can't get Roy. We talking about the same Roy Jones Jr. He's like, yeah, the fucking Roy Jones Jr. I was like, not a chance. He's like, man, he's actually been training for like two years, and and he wants to come back. And he's been talking to me a lot. I think we might be able to pull it off. So originally we were looking at uh, possibly Donald Cerrone versus Roy Jones, and and that was very very close, a lot closer than people know, and um. Uh, hats off to, to Cabo. He got like a huge project lined up, so he, he couldn't think the fight it was gonna mess with his timing and stuff. So hats off to him. He's got some big things in the work there. And um, and during this time, we we uh thought that Pettis wasn't able to compete. That he was gonna do the the season for PFL and all this stuff. But we were able to talk to PFL, and long behold, we got permission. And now we got Roy Jones Jr. fighting Anthony Pettis. And yeah. and after that, it just like. It's a snowball effect because now I'm telling everybody, hey, this is the main event. Like everybody wants to come fight for us, you know. Uh, Jose Aldo was also something very interesting. Um, uh, how that came about. Dean Tool, um, Ali, shout out to Ali and uh, his team for sending that one up. You know, we were able to get that one as far as uh, Barner Sports as well helped out a lot. They got his feet to Bell for Jeremy Stevens, you know. We, we like, um, I, I talked to all the managers, all the agents, so it's yeah. not a uh, it's not like a hard thing, you know, especially um, where I was at before. It was a little bit difficult sometimes talking to sort of manager and stuff. But now I'm like a free agent and I do business with everybody. As long as you do good business, I want to do good business with you. So one thing led to another. Now, Jacare is fighting freaking Vitor Belfort, Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Steens. Like, man, we got a serious card. We got a serious bangers, man. One after another after another, you know. Not to mention we got Pearl Gonzalez fighting a top-ranked sixth girl in the world in boxing. You know, we got Dylan Klecker. That's a freaking knockout machine, and I'm I'm just pumped from this card. We got this kid um from from Michigan, Feliciano. He's 16 and 0, man. I really think this guy's freaking amazing. He has like over 90 amateur bouts as well. This kid is gonna be like he's gonna be headlining cards. I hope rather soon, within a year to two. You know, so it, it's it's really freaking great time right now to be in boxing and fighting combat sports. Oh, is Paul Daly on the card still? No. Oh, okay. Paul Daly is not on the card, and that's because we had visa issues okay. with the timing and stuff. Every well, Paul Daly can have a visa to come here, but every time you're you're working for a new company like yeah. XYZ company, and now he's gonna fight for a different company. You have to get him a visa, so we weren't able to to quite figure that out. But that's somebody that we're very very interested in, and then we're gonna push hard to have in our cards. And I mean, I, I've always liked Daly style. He comes to fight, I actually got to compete against him myself, so it's uh it'd be fucking. I remember, it'd be fucking yeah. yeah, yeah, shark fights. It'd be fucking amazing to get Diggy on the card. Um, all right, so this is a sick card, man. There's no way around it, folks. It takes place on the first in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster. If you follow Gamebred in, in any form or fashion, you can see all the links to uh, his event. But going to Ticketmaster, I guess, 
probably the easiest because that's where you'll wind up. Just look for Jorge Masvidal's Game Bread Boxing for Saturday, uh, April 1st. And yeah, on pay per view, he's already sold out live on pay per view. You can buy the digital rights to it on UFC Fight Pass, which is something very historic for me. Um, they've only the UFC's only teamed up with a boxing promotion one other time that was Mayweather versus McGregor, where they sold the pay per view on UFC Fight Pass. We were doing the same exact thing, so you could buy your digital rights to the freaking pay-per-view on UFC fight pass that's that's like monumental right there when we got that set in stone you know and then shout out to Dane and Hunter for letting all these guys come over and box and and uh still make money some of them are under contract so it was uh by the graces literally of the UFC because if the UFC doesn't let these guys compete there's no competing you know so it was a lot of little hurdles that we had to jump and um this card is in the making for about like Three to four months we've been working on this card to set it off. So once everything wants in play, it's, it's been a it's been a hell of a roller coaster. But man, I'm I'm every day I'm more eager about this event. All right, goes jump in. What you got? Or hey, so Roy Jones Jr. is a massive name, and uh, anybody that knows boxing, this is one of the greatest boxers that ever lived. Was he the first name? Are there any other names that were in consideration? No, we we had a couple names, but once once um. We had Roy Jones is like, hey, I'm in. I'm gonna fight any of these MMA guys, which he's always wanted to fight MMA guys and stuff like that. It was like that. That's our, that's our freaking horse in the race. We're we're gonna run with Roy Jones now. We're gonna match him up, and just as we said, he did. Once we get Roy Jones matched up with somebody that, that's another A side competitor, another MMA standout, the rest of the card will fill out, and that's just what exactly happened. Hey, be honest with us. Is part of you a little jealous that? uh anthony pettis gets to go off against a guy like roy jones jr would you have wanted to be one of those guys is there like a particular boxer or somebody that you would want to go head to head with one day that that definitely several boxers i would like to go head to head with um roy jones isn't one of them man i I like freaking love this dude he's from florida i grew up watching him like i i i wouldn't i wouldn't i'm not envious of pettis on, on this particular run you know, and I just think the the highest praise of, of Roy Jones as a person, as a competitor. You know, um, but there's many, many, many dudes I would love to box. And and the way I would do it is I would start myself not with like current world champion or, or the highest ranked guy. I get myself. And I would take the craft seriously. And I, I'm not just trying to get a paycheck. I would just you know work my way into these better fights, seven, eight boxing fights later, and then I'd call out some bigger names, some some tougher opponents. You know, but first I would just like to get my my feet wet and just bam you know just box guys that, that are good that are sound and you know have a good uh standing record but not the best of the best because i'm not a boxer you know so sending these guys to come fight with me i'm gonna fucking slam them on their head if all you've done is boxing your whole life so i would just uh take my my time a little slow right now there's, there's nobody that i could really think of to call out but you know but they already bursted that bubble just because i always thought it'd be a great fight for me that i could knock them out and make a lot of Easy money while doing it would have been Jake Paul, but you know that that ship has sailed now that he has that. Oh, you know maybe he comes back and gets a couple wins and stuff. But um, that's probably like the only dude just because he's easy money and, and you know I don't think I was gonna generate a huge pay per view sell with him because he he doesn't bring those type of pay per views. But me being involved in boxing, who knows? Maybe I could have I could have done well for myself and gotten some good pay per views. You know. Well, I'm pretty sure you would have been the A side if you boxed Jake Paul. The pay per views would have recited. On your popularity, not sure. necessarily his. Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't sell. You know, I I don't know what the Tyson Fury numbers are. I don't know if you guys know, but you know, when he's fighting Woodley, when he's fighting Ben Askren, like he 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 hasn't hit those marks that, you know, he thinks or his his uh 
people think that he's going to hit, you know, so um, he's not he's not the draw, you know, definitely. He'd be like the C side, I'm like the A plus side. <laughs> if we're talking about selling pay-per-views, you know, if, if you're talking about who was on Disney Channel more, oh, hands down, that dude beats me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, you can always count on Jorge for these uh, one-liners. Um, all right. We'll get back to boxing in just a second. You know, maybe this is a quick way to pivot. Leon Edwards just defended his belt against Kamara Usman, and they've already presented Colby Covington as an opponent for him. Bilal Muhammad, you know, has an eight-fight win streak, so he's saying, hey, what about me? Leon Edwards, though, is uttering your name. And, again, a lot of it is the business side, you know. That and you guys do have heat. Uh, I rewatched it. Looked more like a five-piece in a soda than a three-piece in a soda, but three-piece is pretty funny. Um, so anyway, as the fight happened and unfolded the way it did, tell me what Jorge Masvidal was feeling. I know you were probably bobbing and weaving watching these guys. What what were you all amped up to to hear and, and, and what 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 are you thinking, you know, especially with your big fight coming up? Um, first and foremost, just focus on Gilbert. He has two hands, two feet, and uh he's, he could be dangerous at times. So I definitely want to dismantle this guy and and make a very good showing for myself. Use Gilbert's face to to propel myself to that title shot, you know. Um, also being that me and Leon have the history, also being that I've never missed weight, I've never had a drug failure, I've uh, as far as like steroids and things like that go. You know, all, all these things that I've been doing right in my career, plus the, the level of caliber of opponents that I face. And I'm one of the biggest pay-per-view draws that is active and it's fighting top name guys left and right you know now that john jones is back he's he's another guy to add that mix but when when john jones was sitting out it's basically connor me and john that are, that are pushing those numbers and john was out for a minute so for a while um it's, it's been me uh breaking these records and stuff and you know i'm eager to to get in there with gilbert and like utterly dismantle him to the point that everybody's begging for me to go and fight leon and, and i know leon's not an idiot he knows he's already fought in before and for the defended the title and stuff so he knows what what a, a guy like me brings to the table besides the added beef that we have and the amount of pay-per-views that, that we can generate together fighting for that title i think it's it's epic it's a movie ending for for me and everybody involved with me you know and then after that go and challenge these other wrestlers and beat the fucking brakes off them so the way i hear it burns on april 8th that is priority number one you gotta compete against this cat and after that however the chips may fall so does does that almost sound like let let them let either kobe and leon fight or Bilal and leon fight you'll just get the winner and and no no, down no, the road no, or? no, no, no okay no. No. i'm fighting gilbert yeah and i'm fighting leon and it's just I'm I'm telling you that that's that's gonna play out. Okay. I just got some, you know, insider information. How excited are you about fighting in Miami and it not being on a dock or in a backyard? <laughs> Great question, brother. Um, you know, for a very long time, uh part of my career, uh for the longer part, the road has always been my home. So I, I just feel very comfortable getting the call and saying, Hey, the fight is in south korea or abu dhabi or costa rica or russia or japan and all these places i've named i've fought in these are not like fantasy things i've fought in all these places and uh, i i've just accustomed myself to catching that plane getting in a hotel and, and making that my home for the day so now me fighting at home is a little bit um you know like flipping my my world a little bit but 
this is where it all started for me. So, you know, why not bring it back for all my fans that are from this city, from from just everybody in, in general, from this culture, this Latin culture, this immigrant culture, from numerous Jamaica, Haiti, everybody that's out here in Miami doing their thing that, that enjoys combat, you know, why not bring it to my city? And then 20 years ago, the UFC was here. And I remember I was like 17, about to turn a pro, already training all day long, just aspiring to be a pro. And I go to this show and, and after the nostalgia and everything of like seeing all these competitors and fighters live and, and watching it, I remember uh, looking over to my homie and telling him like, man, I'm gonna bring this show one day back here, you know? It took me 20 years, but we're back in this bitch. So um, I feel like, man, um, th there is pressure in many aspects, you know? But at the same time, this is where it all started. Like, I just gotta flow. I just gotta be natural, not, not worry about nothing, just go out there and do what, what got me here, which is just compete and have fun and, and, you know, explode on these guys. So you were at the actual UFC event in Miami? Yeah, I was actually, oh, wow. I was 17, about to turn 18 years old. And um, it, it was a freaking great time. I think Sean Shirk fought Matt Hughes, Rich Franklin fought, um, rest in peace, Evan Tanner. Mm. Um, uh, Pete Spratt fought Robbie Lawler like yeah you know I'm a fucking geek you know so I was I was there just like soaking up like wow this is fucking nuts you know and uh and there was numerous other fights in the card that was good that night too and the yeah. event was like pretty damn empty you know because it's Miami there's a million things to do here so the UFC hasn't hasn't wanted to come in until they got me on the card and and it was gonna take a little bit to get me on the card things had to be right you know on on all sides and compensation side on this on that you know so um I'm fucking pumped man yeah, no, that's amazing. As soon as we heard they were going there, we knew you had to be on the card, definitely. What sucks, though, is the timing, I think. I mean, I know what you're going to say. Hey, I, I can handle it. And I'm looking, man, your your eyes are white. They're not red. So it looks like you're getting your sleep. Your skin looks good. You're not stuttering over your words or anything. So, you, you know, you can you just got off a plane. So I know you can handle it all, right? But at the same time, the timing of it all, like um, – what which I imagine you knew about boxing before MMA, you just couldn't turn down MMA, even though they're you know a few days apart, a week apart. Yeah, um, as that was coming along, you know, uh, a pay per view date that was available was April 1st, and the way I saw it is like it's fighting, right? I'm gonna be just promoting fighting, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be watching videos of, of guys I want to put in the card or not, things like that. It's all fighting related. And yeah, I've, I've done a little extra things like having to speak to arenas or getting on the phone with a sponsor or Ticketmaster, things like that. You know, th things that I always generally don't do um, that, you know, um, there may be like managers and stuff like that would be doing for me. But I, I don't have a manager right now. I've been handling it all my, myself. Um, I'm not with FRM no longer. So I just uh, I was like, man, I, I could do this. You know, I, I know how to speak for myself and why not speak for, for my event, for the fighters on my event? and just do it right you know obviously it's more added stress because you know it's just more more stress but it's all fighting you know all i do is is train all day long and then either i'm working on the promotion or i'm working on interviews or i'm training again spending time with my kids and that that's it that's all i do so i i feel like there's definitely more numbers to crunch but it's it's nothing that that's like stopping me from sleeping or anything like that um i'm i'm very very happy with my current contract i uh i worked out a nice little thing for myself where i could just get to work now you know i'm injury free i uh a lot of the things that stopped me from coming early is 
had a couple injuries. I got, you know, some allegedly this, allegedly that outside of the ring that I had to like wait and settle for. I got some lawsuits, you know, and, and just in, in all of it, I had a lot of like turmoil, you know, and I was like, let me let me just change things up in my life and, and just try to move in a different direction on many, on many facets. And let me see if I could just come out of the swamp that I'm in, you know, and uh, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was night after night after night of building new habits, doing things differently. And I'm not 24 no more. You know, I know I act like it and all that, but. You know, I gotta. I, I've been changing up um, little by little, man. And I feel that right now, mentally, all, all the things that I started doing about six months ago are are coming into fruition right now. And as I get closer to the fight, everything, all the little hard work that I put in, all the new habits that I picked up, and all the old habits that I dropped, I've been showing up in practice. I've been showing up when I go to track and field. I've been showing up when I jump into the pool. Um, when I weight lift, it's like little by little day by day and i'm just thankful that right now mentally i'm in the best space i've been possibly my whole career just because maybe six months ago i was like in the darkest place i've been in my whole career like the the worst me the worst version of myself mentally you know and and obviously that makes it breaks down your physical and then I, and i and i wasn't in a great place after like the the second Usman fight and the way that things went down and stuff with the UFC and, and the timing of it. And then, hey, you're going to coach the ultimate fighter with Usman. You're going to fight in September, October. And now we're fighting in April, you know. And I had just um, gone through some medical procedures. So I was like, damn, man, I uh, I told myself after the first fight, I won't take a short notice fight again ever again for the title. And here I am again. I did it. And I get knocked the fuck out for the first time in my career to a guy that I fought for five rounds. And I felt his power in those five rounds after cutting... 20 pounds of water going all the way to Abu Dhabi. I'm like, this guy can never hurt me. Like, I never would have thought that'd be the guy to knock me out in my prestigious career. You, you guys have seen me since Bodog days. Like, I fought in some animals of striking, you know, guys that like really could hold their own in striking speed, agility, power. I never put Usman in that category, you know, because after I fought him for five rounds, I was like, this dude, he's not the guy to get me in ever, you know. And uh, lo and behold, surprise, surprise, I get knocked out for the first time in my life. And uh that that like turns into a fucking tornado spiraling out of control and, and, and downwards and uh it, it took a lot you know to to get out of there and also god shining the light letting me know man i came from a much much worse place yeah where i was at when i started this like what the fuck am i complaining about you guys are just commenting on my ceiling i have a fucking wooden ceiling you know i have a real chimney behind me i have water i got food in my fridge when i open it I have a vehicle I could use. My family's in good health. I'm able to provide for my family and never before. Like, man, what the fuck is wrong with me, man? I'm being a fucking bitch, bro. And um, as I started to like formulate that plan, I said, well, I'm not just gonna come back and and keep doing what I used to do. Shit has to change and it has to be overnight. And then I gotta attack those things that have changed and, and really try to stick to them, you know, and and see what this new formula, new 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 game plan new blueprint that i have going forward how it works out and the greatest thing about fighting the best thing about fighting is that you quickly get to find out if all these mathematical probabilities i've been working on working on when on april 8th you know, that's the greatest thing about fighting man we're gonna find out the truth right away did what you went through in 2018 when you went to the reality show exoton and then you went with us to the military base which you said also was very therapeutic for you um what did going did did you have to like rewind to those days knowing that you had gone through a similar funk, came out of it a beast, 
you know, and and uh, is that help? Did that help uh, six months ago or whenever it was that you said you were in a dark place? Um, shout out to uh, the board of uh, Jordan Tourism that actually took me to a very special place. I got to go to the Jordan River where, where Jesus himself was baptized and took me to many historical sites. So uh, shout out to Jordan because um, I, I got to go to this place and it's somewhere that I always wanted to go. But at my lowest point, I was like, this is where I need to go. This is like something was just calling me over there. And then all of a sudden, um, I was able to get that done. Shout out to my boy, Muhammad, as well. They, they was able to set up the trip. Um, and that that really helped break that funk down, break some walls and barriers down. And then after that, the game plan, you know, like, what what, what am I going to do now? Now that I know that this is wrong, what's right? I'm going to start formulating that. And, and like you said, you know, I've, I've been in other funks before. I've been in, in way worse when I was when I was 13, 14 years old. I had, you know, not not that many options available. I didn't I didn't really always see the light. I knew that this was my way out, this was my light, but it wasn't always so visible, you know, and I'm like, man, as far as I've come and and now I'm just being a, a, a bitch, like <laughs> straight up, like what, what the fuck's wrong with me? So little by little, so getting rid of that bad shit, dog. All right, so right now with Gilbert Burns in front of you and with the boxing going full steam, if this were the Jorge Masvidal book, what would the chapter of this this particular section be? What would the name of the chapter be? This chapter would be uh, Gilbert, the Stepping Stone Burns, and then uh, off to fight. It's it's no this to Gilbert and stuff because I, I think he's a good competitor. He comes to fight, you know, and things like that for the most part. But we've never been on the, on the same skill set, you know. And then as far as, like, gameness goes as far as like toughness and, and durability and you know that sturdiness he's never had it either he gets cracked and he starts skating you know so um i know he's good in the jiu-jitsu world but his wrestling ain't, ain't that you know and and i've only been focusing these last six months on making sure that i could deal with these wrestlers efficiently get to positions efficiently not waste as much energy so uh, i'm going to tell you that I'm gonna paint my Van Gogh on on Gilbert's face, man, with elbows, knees, kicks, takedown defense, takedown offense, all that good stuff. I'm gonna bring it in and and just just like when I started my career, just go out there and fight and have fun. It's it's not a game because there's a lot at risk, but at the same time, this is my pickup basketball game. This is my soccer game. This is my baseball game. This is what I enjoy doing. So don't need to do anything more than that and just go out there and do it. Put put all the hard work of these last like 14 weeks of being solely dedicated to a task of just becoming a better athlete, getting better in shape, and then forget about all that and on fight they just know I, I did everything to prepare me for the situation. Now go out there and do it. Give everything I got to to see what a what I'm really made out of, you know. You know, somebody had some real high praise for you, man. Joe Rogan talking about your place kind of in history and how you would have done against other uh, fighters of your in your weight class, George St. Pierre, one of them. What, what did you think of Joe Rogan's uh, thoughts on you being able to take GSP, which means you're ahead of a lot of other people? Uh, what did that feel like, man? That seems like really, really high praise. I, I think you know uh, a lot. But one, Joe's been watching the sport freaking forever, man, and he truly is like an encyclopedia. I, I sit down and, and uh, I was just with Joe today. I just got back from Texas and we're like talking boxing. And it's like, there's not a name that I throw out that this guy doesn't know and hasn't digested 20 fights of this individual. And I'm throwing like, uh, we're, we're just talking boxing for a minute. And it's like 
every fight, every fighter that I brought up, he's like, yeah, I remember and so-and-so, and he took him out in the seventh round. He's just an encyclopedia of wealth for the sport. So for him to consider me one of the better fighters I've ever lived is, is uh, fuck, man, that's a real life notch right there, bro, for me, man. Because that, that guy, you know, I consider him a fucking a true connoisseur of the sport, you know, and, and he calls it the way he is and stuff in fights. I don't think he's a biased dude, man, you know, so I really, really enjoy his commentary as well. So I, I just feel like, man, that's fucking awesome that he would put me up there like that. And me personally, you know, the the wrestlers have always given me uh, a, a lot of trouble and stuff, but it's certain types of wrestlers, the ones that negate like the action by just like always stalling and crotch sniffing stuff. So I, at the same time, I feel like, I, I could do well with any of these guys if, if they don't get their hands wrapped around me. And, and even if they did, if I'm able to slip away in time, you know. But um, I would like, like like anybody in my sport, I want to fight only the fucking best, you know. But I'm not worried about GSP right now because he, he don't fight. So it's just hearsay, hearsay, you know. I'm, I'm worried about every guy that's currently active that's in the top five. Those are the guys that I'm worried about. And I want to fucking hurt them, man. Especially the wrestlers. At the end of the day, with all the ups and downs, can you... Are you happy? I mean, you've accomplished a lot. We started yeah. the interview talking about strike force days, Bulldog League. Like, this has been a long time, a lot of mean competitors in front of you. At the end of the day, are you happy? No, not not at all. Like, if, uh, you know, and in, in the part of it, I, I am happy. You know, when, when that time comes that I've, I've said it before, and you guys have shown numerous shows, when that time comes that I'm at American Top Team, I can't, you know, keep up with the pack, hold my own in its constant sessions where I'm just getting the shorter end of the stick as I'm going with these up and coming killers and, and established fighters and things of that nature, then I know it's time to hang up the gloves. I don't need to go into a ring to know that, you know, I, I don't have it anymore, you know, but as long as I still have that going for me, it's like, I'm not happy, man, at all. I'm not one bit happy, you know, because I'm in there with monsters every day, and I'm, and I'm holding my own. I'm doing good, you know. There's a lot of guys over there that they can tell you, like, man, he's in the best fucking shape, period, you know. We're talking about current Bellator world champion Johnny Eblen. And he's, we've been putting in a lot of work together, like always, you know. And, and um, he's a I, beast. I feel he's a fucking beast, man. I think he's the best 185 in the world right now currently. I, I truly believe that I was – I was uh, been giving him a lot of praise any – even way before he, he fought Musashi. And then when he fought Musashi, which I fucking, I really love this guy. He's a fucking pioneer of the sport, a true badass, full of class, will fight anybody, any style. And um, I was just saying, like, man, this is going to be his coming out party because Johnny right now is on another level. I put in a lot of work with that fight for Johnny, and I just knew, like, bro, right now you're you're at another level, you know, in his last fight as well, you know. So I, I could honestly say, He's the best middleweight in the world in my eyes, you know. He could wrestle, he could strike, he do a lot of things, and then he has another, he has a third lung for real, you know. So I really feel that um that the work I put in an American top team on the constant is what what lets me know, like, hey, can, can I hang at this level or not? You know, can I do I still have it? Because the day that I that I like I said, I'm getting the short end of the stake inconsistently, then it's time for me to walk away and, and I and I could be happy with what I've done leading up to this point from where I come from, how I started, all that stuff. But if you ask me right now today, no, 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 no. Because I know I still have that that dog in me. I still have the speed. I still got the power. I still got endurance to be able to push myself through. So I just feel like I'm not I'm not currently happy right now. But I will be by the end of this year. Very happy. I got some records to break, some faces to break, some belts to collect. And, you know, uh, it's the dog in me that, that keeps me wanting to do more. I see these guys on the... I know I could beat these guys, man. 
I know I could beat so and so. I already got in there with them. I felt them. I I know I could beat them. I just it just needs to be my night. And until I don't get a couple things notched off in my uh, notebook that I keep, I won't close this chapter in my life yet. Is that a real notebook you have? Oh, okay. I'd have I'd have the good question. I'd have the real notebook, but then it could get stolen. But um, just like in, uh, throughout my career, I've always had like things that I want to get done. When I came back in, in 2019, I had a firm list of things that I wanted to get done, and I got a lot of them done. A lot of things got accomplished. Same thing for 2023. I have a lot of goals in mind, and I'm just a goal-oriented person at the end of the day, and I want to get these done by all means necessary. Two more quick ones. I'm going to go TMZ on you on one, and then I'll, I'll finish. I want to ask you about your son. Um, the TMZ one is... If I only heard it once, I probably wouldn't ask you. But I heard it quite, quite a few times this weekend. Um, and that's that. Remember the stuff you said? Allegedly, you got to get through it all or whatever. Yes, it's yes, not yes. done yet? The, the allegedly stuff? No, the allegedly stuff, stuff. You know, you know uh, I can't really say too much about it, you know, because, you know, I have, like, a whole fucking team of lawyers and shit. And they're, like, they'll kill me if I talk too much about it. But what I can tell you is that... There was some coward claiming brain injury, but this coward was trying to compete not too long ago and shit like that, you know. Well, so. that that was the thing was there was you know, there was talk that maybe he gets a pass. Uh, it's not like he doesn't have a nice resume. All right, I'll be honest, he, he does, but um, that he gets a pass in return for this thing just getting squashed. Whatever ha happened allegedly in Miami. Allegedly, I don't know nothing about that. Okay. Super Macho Man, you want this for him um, in the future, or would you rather he, you know, hit the books or or do something else? He's got to be a big kid by now, right? Uh, in stature, he's not not too big. He's um, well. What I mean is, I, was, I think we met him as a little kid, so he's probably yeah, a teenager yeah. now, maybe, or I don't know. No, no, he's he's eight years old. Um, he's eight, okay. Yeah, he's eight years old, and he is uh, nice fella. Like, I like him. He's like my heart, you know, he keeps me beating, keeps me going strong. Um, Actually, he, him, him and his sister, my daughter Ava, are are big factors in how I also broke out of that funk that I was in. You know, I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with me? I, I had, if my career ended right now, I got these two little guys. I don't, I don't need my little girl, my little guy. I don't, I don't need nothing else in life. I, I could provide for them. I could send them to good schools. I could keep them fed. You know, when they turn 16, I could get them a car. Like, what, it, what am I tripping about, you know? And, and it's just a constant thing of, of being around them to get out of that funk, you know? But do I want my son to fight? Absolutely not, brother. Uh, but it, it's just like, it, it might skip a generation a lot of times, and sometimes it doesn't. He he has, you know, as much as I hate to say it, and, and the fear that it brings me, he has that it factor for fighting, man. Like, you, you see him throwing hands, you would think he's been training his whole life. And it's just like a genetic thing for him, you know, and he actually likes to scrap, man. I got him in wrestling, so, you know, he can learn how to defend himself. But I, I don't like him throwing blows, so he loves to do it. Um, it's been like two Christmases in a row that he's been asking me for punching bags, so I finally got him. And, like, he'll come home from school, he'll be like, I'll talk to him for a little, hey, what's up, how was school? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. And he'll literally grab his, it's one of these, like, ones that has, like, a water base and the stick that moves like that and the ball right here, so you hit it and it moves. He'll literally take that thing into his room and beat the living crap out of it for, like, 25 minutes. He just won't want to talk to me or nobody right now. He's just doing this thing. I know he probably didn't have the best day for whatever reason. And uh, he reminds me so much of me. So I I, uh, I don't want him to fight. But also fighting is, like, if you're meant to be a fighter, if you're going to fight, not no government, no person, 
no freaking religious set. No, no, nobody can tell you you can't fight. When you want to fight, you're gonna find a fucking way to fight. And if he showed me that perseverance, that dad, I'm gonna get up at six in the morning, go get these miles and how you used to, and then I'm gonna come home, I'm gonna go to school, and then when I come back from after school, I'm gonna go train again, and then I'm a million percent behind my guy and whatever he wants to do. But no, as a father, I, 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 I would dread the walk of of him to the cage. You know, it'd be like. You know, and then anyways, I, I he's like my little best friend. So it's like, man, I, I did this all for you so, so you could go to school, so you could do other things in life and, and not have to do this, you know. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want it from. But then again, if he showed me this is all I want to do, then I got his back one million percent. Because I really love the relationship that you and your dad have. Yes, you know, sir. you guys been through a lot and he seems pretty chill, to tell you the truth. Oh but some of that nasty dog from a little bit from dad, a little bit from mom, some Cubano, some Peruano. We got ourselves game bread, and uh, but you're right. But you know, um, I just remember how much you like talking about him and all that. And I figured he was older now since we haven't caught up in a while. And no, no, that's that's my little dude. I'll, I'll have him tomorrow. Actually, I get him tomorrow. We, I got a 50 50 custody with him, so I'll have him tomorrow for about like four or five days. And uh, we got some activities planned because I, I've been grinding a lot. So this weekend now I get to taper off a little bit. So I got some good uh, activities for me and my son that we're gonna get into. And um, and I keep him training, man, because you know at the end of the day he's a man. So as much as I love him, he he's doing something all the time. I'll take him to the gym and he'll just work out. I have him moving weights and doing sprints and jumping off hurdles and this and that. And and man, he loves to get after it, man. So I uh, I'm blessed, man, with my kids and my family. And like I said earlier, that's really what. Well, help me come out of this funk, man, because this funk was bad and it was spiraling out of control. And snap, bro, I, I was in a really dark place for like a minute, you know. What I'm, that's why nobody was hearing from me. I wasn't trying to fight. I wasn't trying to do anything. I wasn't trying to do nothing like that until I knew that I was ready to come back. And and it's not like I, I decided I was ready to come back when I took the Gill fight. I was long before even thinking about any fight. I had to make sure my mind, my body, and soul was right. And I took the fight, and big mistake for Gilbert because I was already in shape when I took this fight. And I just had, like, another 12 weeks to just prepare for this individual while already being in shape. So I feel like I'm going to have one of my best performances in my fucking life. Yeah, and you're going to make Alex Pajeda a lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> These guys are going to love me now after they get on the call with me. They're going to see what drawing power means, you know. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you so much for the time. I know you had a long day. I, I love you, motherfuckers. Don't ever thank me, bro. Love you, motherfuckers, bro. All right, my man. I love you, too. And we hey. love watching you fight. April 1st is not an April Fool's joke. Roy Jones Jr. versus yes. Roy Jones Jr. Versus Anthony Pettis. Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. Jacare versus Vitor Belfort. It's nuts. You got to check it out, folks. Available on UFC Fight Pass as well. Uh, and if you're in the Wisconsin area, go and get your tickets. They are available. It's a sick card. Thanks, Jorge. Take care. We'll knock Gilbert out, and then I'm getting this title, and then I'm going to the studio because I've brought you guys a lot of things. We've had a lot of conversations. But haven't you got, I haven't brought that that belt to you guys, so I'm going to make sure. We're I celebrating soon with this belt and some fucking Peruvian food. Goes is cheap ass. going to go buy the Lombos Adal for us. Got we're going to fucking feast. <laughs> can't wait all right man take care well he's got that insider information that we don't so perhaps something will go his way if he can beat gilbert burns on the eighth
which is UFC mm-hmm. 7 Goes and I will be doing a watch along, just like we always do for UFC 288. Sorry, 287. And that one will start at its normal time, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the four featured prelims. What'd you think of that? I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, he handles his own shit now. So if anybody knows, it's him, right? But uh, that whole division, dude, really, like, it is a cluster. You Anything can happen at any time. George, I, I would almost, like, venture out to say that if the ufc is so keen on placing people in certain spots like man isn't that almost the time to do like a little tournament mini tournament or something and then just say this is how we set the matchups you know like that sort of thing put a big prize at the end i don't know say that again i said they have so many fighters and so many matchups that they want that wouldn't it almost be time to just say let's do a tournament and you match guys up the way you want put a big prize at the end of the rainbow and uh that way the belt kind of gets pushed aside and it's more about maybe that big payday but then you then you just match up guys with however way you want right and it's a guaranteed you just keep winning you get to the end but uh the the amount of talent in that division is, is insane the only problem is a lot of them have fought each other before you know that that creates a problem but if it's a tournament then it doesn't matter right the tournament is supposed to take the politics out of it. Yes. Um, the matchups would be interesting. You know, in the UEFA Champions League or any of those tournaments, they just pull out the ping pong balls. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens, happens. I subscribe to whatever's happening there is what's really happening. I'm sure you'll never satisfy a conspiracy theorist. They'll probably think, oh, they wanted Manchester United to go all the way to Inter Milan, you know, whatever. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, I think, thinks that the Makashev Volkanovsky fight was rigged. Mm-hmm. So, come on, you're just never going to satisfy everybody. But yeah, you can either do the ping pong balls or just set the matchups the way you want them. Question is, how would you set them up? Let's do an eight man tournament for welterweight. Are we being. The we UFC being us. UFC business sells. What would you do? I think you start off right out of the gate with uh, Masvidal and Edwards. I think that's uh, you, that's one of the fights that you have to see that you want to happen, and you're you're scared to risk it because Masvidal could lose to someone, or you could lose to Gilbert Burns, right? Like that sort of shit. So you you do that. Um. Masvidal's best bet is if he beats Burns and starches him to get on the mic and say International Fight Week, I'll see you there, Rocky. I'm a three piece. I'm a three piece you up again. I think everyone will go ooh, you know, whatever. I think it'll hit the the Twitter airwaves, and I think the UFC will really be backed into a corner because what you're doing is you're making yourself available for a certain time for a certain card. Dana said we've made matchups through June. I think we're on June. So they're going to be working on July soon. Now, that's when supposedly Jones versus Miocic was sounding good. Miocic said, yeah, I'm in. Then Jones said, nah, this guy's trying to puss out. So who knows if he'll be ready, you know. But I'm sure at one point the UFC was like, yep, we got our main event for International Fight Week, Jones versus Miocic. We're set. But if that is having any problems, then maybe that's what Masvidal does is he backs them into a corner and says, you know, I'll see you then. It's happened before. Yeah. 
But all right, so you would go Masvidal versus uh, Leon if Masvidal beats Burns, right? Yeah. Um, well, who are the names that need to be in it? Who Who are the eight? Uh, Edwards, Masvidal, Covington, Burns. Sorry, um, Kamara, Malal. Malal. and then to be fair, probably Burns. Even though he will have just lost the Masvidal, but still, I think Burns is highly regarded. Uzman, how can you leave him him out? That's six, and then two more. Probably mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna pretend Shamayev is just stuck at middleweight, which that's what it appears to be. Mm-hmm. Well, Shavkat, I think, has earned a spot with the undefeated record, yeah. and the last spot probably goes to either Jeff Neal or okay. Stephen Thompson. Luke's had some losses, man. Um, hold on, Luke's twenty-one and nine, and he is. He's lost his last two to Bilal and Jeff Neal. So that kind of takes him out of it because one of the names we threw out there was Jeff Neal. Now, Jeff Neal just lost to Shavkat, but he beat Luke and he beat Ponzi right before that. However, about two and a half years ago, he lost to Stephen Thompson. So Stephen Thompson might be going, hey, I beat Neal and Neal beat Luke. So what about me? Now, granted, he's 40. I feel like he's past his prime a little bit, but I also feel like he's pretty marketable, and that fight with Kevin Holland was pretty legit. So he's not acting like he's 40, because I think a lot of people love that fight. Um, So what he can say is, what, what the only thing Jeff Neal could say is, however, you lost to Bilal Muhammad, who I handed a loss years ago to. So he might be able to play that angle. Remember, he also had lost to Gilbert Burns before him. Um, that that's the only thing I think that would save Jeff Neal is if he made a a uh, round robin out of it and said, "Well, I, I I beat I beat Bilal, who you lost to, even though I lost to Neal, who you beat." Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sounds like a lot, but um, fucking Dana just won't do it. He won't do these Grand Prix. But I guess what you would do if those are your guys, then Edwards Masvidal. Hey, here's Covington a good Muhammad, right? Covington Muhammad's nice, yeah. And then Shavkat Wonderboy, maybe you're trying to. I mean, remember we're the business, right? So we're trying to put Shavkat over. Yeah, give him Wonderboy. Run back Burns versus Kamaru. Yeah. Hmm. That might work. Burns might want that. Kamaro might want that because they respect each other. And they're already split camps, you know. Put Covington and Muhammad on the side of Edwards Masvidal. That way you don't recreate another Kamaro Masvidal or Kamaro Covington. How do you splash? How do you make a splash that... Because I, I don't want to disrespect Bellator here. I think what they've done is wonderful with the million-dollar prizes. But you know if the UFC is going to do a Grand Prix, they're going to want to pay more than a million. But what's the number where you go, oh, it kind of creates a buzz. But yet at the same time, we're not going overboard here. I think I think you do uh, three. Three? Yeah. A $3 million prize. A million per round, basically, to the winner. Just got to make sure uh, for the Covington fight, you got to make sure John Annick's nowhere around, right? Let's talk about that. I I love Smack Talk. 
I love letting the fighters say what they want to say. Dude, everyone knows I'm not a fan of Trump, but Kobe's come in with the red hat, said what he wants. I let him say what he wants. I let him play the part. I'm Trump's favorite fighter. I ask him about the White House or whatever. I don't bring up anything having to do with that. I let him have his moment. You know what I mean? Remember we allowed him to put Trump stickers in the in the studio? and You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's no problem. But I just don't see how he couldn't have said, you know, watch yourself, man. 209 style. You know how he get down. But threatening a man's life and mentioning their kids. Like, come on. Yeah, it's a little too much, dude. Um, especially with a guy like, I mean, not saying that it's okay with anyone. But especially a guy like John Anik, like, I don't know, man. Just, you know, he always starts off with, uh, all right, nerds and virgins, if you want to bet, bet that these are my picks. I'm slamming chicks in the bedroom. Okay, cool. I think he's told John Morgan, do push-ups, Ryan, answering your question. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, he's got, it's, it's, it's smack talk with a little bit of cringe and corniness. That's fine. He's, he's made himself pretty popular. He's made himself some enemies. But I don't know. Like, two, two things bother me about that. For one, like, even when he said stuff that went out of line in Brazil, you know, even some Brazilian fighters gave him a pass. Hell, one of his coaches, Valverde, if I'm not mistaken, is Brazilian. They all get it. It's no big deal. Like, you know, it made him have to switch gyms, so it kind of became somewhat of a big deal. Mm-hmm. But regardless, he's a big boy. He did it. But. Again, I think there's always been this kind of like this uh, mutual respect between fighters and civilians. You just it doesn't come off well to threaten a civilian. That would be a fan, a media member, or even someone from your own company. In my opinion, it just doesn't come off well. Yeah, yeah, that one went a little too far. And then to top it off, Annex pretty beloved. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Anything else, goes? We got to wrap up soon here, man. Um. It, any other division that's popping that, that you wanted to comment on? You know, I did want to say one thing. Sure. Uh, Corey Sanhagen thinks that it's, well, he said two things. He said he was, yeah. But he also said he was okay with it. I get where he's coming from. And usually I got his back, but in this case, Henry Cejudo is kind of that unicorn, but he's one of those unicorns where you could actually say, He's just kind of deserved it, you know, the the, the career that he's had uh, going down as probably being arguably the best combat sports athlete of all time. I think in that case, you do kind of deserve it at that point. Normally, 95% of the time, fist bump to Corey Sanhagen. I feel you, dog. You're working your ass off to get to that point. I get it. But this this might be the one where I, I, I go, yeah, I think this made sense. And, you know, at one point in time, I remember Dana White saying, hey, this guy retired. He's been gone for a couple of years for him to just walk into a title shot. And what does he do? He rewards him with a title shot. Yeah. The guy puts his foot in his mouth more than he thinks. Um, Paulo Costa sounds like he's close to a deal. That's pretty cool. And he's even saying Hamza Shemaev, he, he's willing to make that one of uh, one of his fights mm-hmm. when he comes back. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's definitely entertaining. Uh, on Twitter. All right. All right, folks. So one more reminder that on August 8th, Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along for UFC 287. That includes the Alex Pajeda izzy Adesanya rematch and the uh, 
the aforementioned fight that we've talked about here, Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. They're back in Miami. Should be a big event. And we'll be with you guys at the normal start time of 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific or prelims, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the main card. And for now, we're going to bow out of here. Bow out of here. I will say uh, on Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, check out Spinning Back Click. Go to YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Hit the subscribe button. If you see a video and you enjoy it, hit the like. All that stuff kind of triggers stuff in the algorithm that will just make the channel grow. And uh, lastly, hit that little bell, which will tell you when we're live. But make a note, Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, spinning back click. We're with you for about an hour. We tackle all the latest news from the past weekend. For now, we're out of here. Enjoy your weekend. Go out and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.